Spontaneous or planner? I'm definitely more of a planner, but I love spontaneity. Like, give me a weekend that's coming up and I've planned it in my head already. So like, That's pretty p- spontaneous, but with planning. An organised, spontaneous human being. The best kind. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Joyful Drinker, a podcast for anyone that drinks that wants to drink a little less. I'm your host, Ellie Webb, and I believe that if we all drank a little less each week, we'd all feel a whole lot better. Through honest conversations and real-life stories, I'm on a mission to uncover the benefits of taking a few more alcohol-free days each week. By sharing my guests' own perspectives on balance and moderation, I hope we can all take away some inspiration and learn from the powerful habits they've picked up along the way. If you're curious about the benefits that balanced drinking can bring to your week, then pour yourself a glass of something tasty and let's meet today's guest. I'm here today with Alex Marks, owner and head coach at On Your Marks Fitness and personal trainer. Alex runs online motivational and coaching courses as well as owning a fitness studio in Clapham Junction for his personal training sessions in 2019, Alex also starred in the hit TV series, The Bachelor. I, yeah, I wondered how long it was going to take before I got brought up. Thanks so much. I appreciate you that. some questions as well. Yeah, that's fine. I couldn't help it. <laughs> Welcome, Alex. Great to have you on the podcast. I love the line that you use to describe your business on your marks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we specialize in lifting weights and spirits. That's me. I love that. That's what we do. Tell me what you mean by that. Spirits is like the person, the soul of somebody. And I feel like a lot of people maybe step into the fitness and health realm tentatively, mm-hmm. maybe with pre-existing negative exposure to bad experiences. And I'm trying to bring everybody's potential and happiness and positive vibes to um, every session and make sure that everyone feels comfortable and uplifted. And the whole idea of lifting weights and lifting spirits is just synonymous. I kind of feel like once you start to become comfortable feeling uncomfortable, which is such a personal training cliche, but um, I feel like when you do that, you build a bit of mental resilience and then actually start to see that radiate into other areas of your life and just your general tone of your whole being transforms and not just sort of your, yeah, what, what you see in the mirror. I like that because it's not just physically challenging. What Mm -hmm. you're saying is it's just as mentally challenging. So by lifting weights and lifting spirits, you're recognising that both... That's it. Yeah, I kind of feel like we spend energy physically, mentally and emotionally. And I think that that third one often gets lost. And I just feel like we always, we always thinking like I've got to... I've got to be the best version of myself the whole time. And as much as I'm a fan of the hustle culture... I kind of feel like sometimes you just need to take a step back and realise that actually you've got to stop spending on everybody else and start spending for yourself. And and that does, first of all, start, I think, with a physical escape and being very physically present with yourself because I think that's the one thing that can be, you know, uh, innately tangible. But then, um, yeah, that then again just gives you a little bit more back both mentally and physically and emotionally. Agreed. In your line of work, you focus a lot with your clients or I think you do mm-hmm. around motivation is that fair to say yeah I think I think motivation is is a key part of the health and fitness aspect of the world but I, I kind of feel like a lot of people don't tend to lack motivation it's more about accountability 
an understanding of what to do and how to do it because I think we're all we've all got a goal in mind we all want to achieve something or we've always sat, or some of us have sat on sofas similar to this and thought it would be nice to have achieved that at some point but really sort of connecting the dots from the position or the first time you have that thought to the end goal um is it's about asking for help and and then also sort of keeping yourself accountable to that goal. So I don't think anybody lacks motivation. I just think they don't. They're a bit scared or uneducated as to how to get there. So yeah, I, I I never blame anyone for not having enough motivation. It's just about building confidence in them to ask for help and and help them get from A to B. I like that because I think you know one of my questions is going to be around why. Well, I suppose I'll change the question slightly based on on what you've just said around you don't feel that people lack motivation mm. about accountability. Mm. Why do you think people lack that accountability? I just think, you know, we, we live in a society where everything is easily accessible. We, we're, everything is really convenient. Um, and, you know, if, if I haven't done it first, then I'll just watch somebody that has, rather than go out and put the hard work in and, and get themselves there. So that sort of degree of accountability doesn't need to really exist because I've got access to view somebody who's doing it and I'll get a dopamine hit from watching their success or you know or a dopamine hit from yeah looking and scrolling through Instagram and seeing like oh I want to go to the Bahama pig beach you know, it's like, well, I've already been there because I've seen 12 Instagram models. You don't models need to that, go now. Yeah, exactly. I've seen everyone post Yeah, exactly. About it. When actually, you know, the reality is earning the money to get on the flight, to get there, to have that experience. Nobody's going to take that away from you. But yeah, we just live in this instant world and um, I, I don't like it <laughs> so we much. Do, we do live in this world now of kind of instant gratification mm. and our minds and social media and everything is kind of training us to kind of wanting to get that hit yeah, whatever yeah, it might yeah. be and actually with fitness it's the longer term exercise and fitness and and hold, holding yourself accountable it's a longer term journey and mm-hmm. you've got to be consistent yep week to week uh-huh and you can't just get results instantly like that like yeah. you do on social media like a like or whatever it that's it be. and so it's all i guess it's, what you're saying is it's kind of training people to to think that way yeah I think I think everybody's again I think this is a hangover from perhaps the 70s 80s and 90s sort of like marketing propaganda whereby you can have a quick fix by taking this wonder drug or this pill or you know strap on a massage belt and you're going to be 10 pounds lighter the reality is that that's just not going to happen um and you know we've we've sort of sat ourselves into this hole where um unless it's happening quickly I don't want to be involved. And I think there needs to be a complete change in narrative, certainly in Britain when we live in this sort of perpetual seasonal put weight on in the winter, lose it for the summer, put weight on in the winter, lose weight for the summer um, cycle. Um, I think we need to sort of flip the whole fitness script um, and sort of stick two fingers up at the marketing advertising agencies that have sort of created this narrative and say, actually, health is something that is year round, 365 days, available to you 365 days a year. And um, actually, it shouldn't be necessarily about the body fat percentage or the, the mirror or the Instagram likes, but it should be for longevity. And it should be for having a healthy, functional, fit body to challenge your kids as they grow up to, yes, I suppose, obviously a degree of it is about sort of wanting to look sexy to attractive, attractive spouse and other bits and pieces. That's yeah. always going to be a part of our society. But I don't want to be like unhealthy and unable to move in my 60s. I want to be able to sort of like hang around with long term. Yeah, well, longevity isn't, you know, the thing is, it's like when I'm 60 years old with modern medicine, 
I've realistically got 25 years left of my life. Mm. And like my old man is, is approaching, you know, 80 years old now. And, you know, he's sort of bent over stooped and, you know, he was an athlete, but he just didn't carry on his level of exercise when he hit 45 plus. And that's not going to be me. And it, and it certainly shouldn't be anybody else. I kind of feel like that's also a time in your life when you've probably got more time available, potentially more expendable income. So why would you want to spend it on the sofa? Exactly. It's that, that kind of idea of you can't keep running on empty and just keep going and going and going. You've got to put back in yeah. and, and actually look after yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Rent is due every day and just you've got to pay it. And that's what I mean by fitness. Yeah. <laughs> fitness rent. So I guess you run a personal fitness business. And I think you know being in that, that space and, and being so focused on fitness must be exhausting, especially physically. Where do you find your energy? Oh, wow. That's a question. At the bottom of my coffee. <laughs> no. <laughs> you going to say that. Um, no, my, my energy. I'm the same, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> no. Um, it's funny because, uh, again, like coffee is, is such a sort of hot fitness topic. Like how many should you have or not have? Like I have two a day and that's okay. That's absolutely fine. But I think if I find my own personal energy, I think I probably, this is going to sound really cliched, isn't it? This is the personal trainer's fable. But um, I was a skinny young kid, like not many friends, socially awkward growing up at school. And um, a PE teacher literally picked me up off the sideline of a rugby pitch and threw me into the gym, handed me my first protein shake, told me to stop eating so much sugar. That hasn't worked. Um, but, um, <laughs> but, but like showed me how to eat appropriately. And that whole sort of process, him investing a bit of time and energy into somebody that really recognized the need for it, filled me, filled me to the brim. And I just felt like actually having been bullied to a degree growing up at school and to have felt as low as I had done and to have seen so many people sort of come into my personal training studio expressing an interest in bettering themselves that perhaps have been taken advantage of by peers, you know, colleagues or bosses for a long period of time and, um, you know, flip the script by doing something themselves just simply by taking um, my advice and putting their faith in me, you know, it's hugely rewarding. So that, say, that so must that, be so rewarding. Yeah, for you. It, and and I, I tend to focus now on just working with with new mums and women, um, perimenopause or women, um, because for the first time, when in in many cases, um, you know, they are completely and utterly um, selfless. Um, with new parenting obligations um, and they're the people that need it the most and again that's hugely rewarding to have one put them have them put their faith in me but then also um, hugely rewarding not one one reason is obviously I get to I get little hugs with the babies because the babies come in and that's really cute but then also um, yeah just just to sort of see them have their own time back and sort of have someone pour into them instead of them pouring into into their mm. current situation um, but yeah I, I take satisfaction and energy from my clients like yeah if I can if I can put one smile on one client's face or make them have a different perspective about what they're physically capable of doing then yeah that fills me up I guess for any new mums uh, listening to this mm. podcast yeah. who are maybe struggling keeping up with their fitness and and getting to do exercise, what yeah. what two or three bits of advice would you, would you yeah. give them? Well, I'd change your question because it's not about keeping up with their fitness as a new mum. This is something that we're sort of like, don't yeah. worry, everybody does it. Everyone's like, I've got to get back into fitness and some perhaps expecting mothers or women thinking that they might want to have kids one day. This is especially irrelevant, relevant to you is that... The bouncing back 
theory is better left in the 80s or 90s or early 2000s, whatever it was. Those that bounce back are have a huge amount of resources um, and maybe even didn't give birth to their own child. Okay. Because you see, okay. you know, you see, you know, Instagram yeah. celebrities and you think, oh my God, they look amazing. Yeah, they've yeah. Done it. And then I can imagine that. Victoria makes Beckham, sense. Kim Kardashian, X, Y, and Z. Okay. Yeah. Cool. They're like the top 0.001% of the world, right? In terms of cash and available like opportunity around them. Don't put too much pressure on yourself to get back to a body fat percentage at all, right? Nurture your relationship with your child um, and then do two things. One, find an appropriate personal trainer to help coach you with any core um, injury um, and any postural imbalances. Okay, so you can either look for a pre and postnatal personal training quali- uh, qualified coach. Um, obviously, I'd love to help you. <laughs> OYMcoaching.com reference. Um, yeah. But anything that precedes that or everything that precedes that is to actually see a women's physiotherapist. Now, not many people know this, but um, in many of the European countries, take France for example, every new mother is given 12 women's physiotherapy sessions on the state. That is, that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Whoever but, needs to be listening to yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. Well, there, there are some women, uh, incredible women's physiotherapists and advocates for, for that to happen in the UK currently happening. Um, but it is, it's it's unbeknown to a lot of women. They're sort of like, oh, I've got a six-week checkup. Baby's alive. You're okay. No trauma. Fantastic. You can get back to fitness. And that's like the last thing that really you should be doing. We should have all women have an internal examination, uh, a check for any diastasis recti, any ab separation, and then go about putting a plan that's specific to them to help them get back to a position where they feel not just physically able but physically confident again in their pelvic floor as well so there's a lot to it and there's a lot more um information available to to yeah anyone thinking about you know having children going through pregnancy currently or even if you have had a child this is the first time you've heard this then yeah check me out and check out a number of other sort of you know, top quality women's physiotherapists, personal trainers. Wow, super mm. interesting. Take that on board. I'd love to talk about drinking quickly. This is the Joyful Drinking podcast. And we actually met Joyful. through... Yes, Joyful Drinking. <laughs> it's not what you think it means. We actually met through my drinks business, Kalenio, which is a non-alcoholic spirits business. And I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, you don't drink alcohol anymore. Anymore, no. Well, okay, or so... drink less. I drink less. Yeah. Can I, can I ask yeah. why? Well, I, okay. Yes, you can. Absolutely. Or, you know, what led you to that? What's been so your journey with my My journey with alcohol is I definitely abused it. And you mentioned earlier that I was uh, 2009, The Bachelor UK. Now, I'm not going to say off the back of that, I became an alcoholic or, you know, abused my body. But there were certainly times where I sort of reverted to my 22-year-old self and sort of created a persona around myself to get, you know, the satisfaction of, you know, the attention that, you know, many reality or people that go it on reality TV, reality yeah, it goes TV, with it. Um, and uh, sort of I slipped into this 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 time in my life where I was sort of like a little bit lost because I was, the show didn't do very well and I was, you know, a bit miffed by that and I was like, you know, where, where do I place myself now? And admittedly I was a bit lost um, and I started to abuse alcohol I like I, I started to get drinking Fridays and Saturdays I wouldn't be myself until Tuesday maybe Wednesday the next week and um, it was a frustration to me and then you know and then trying, trying to sort of like get out of that when you're sort of in and around I guess you know town London is, is quite a toxic place so I sort of found myself sort of thinking you know I need to have a change here and I started to try and phase it out towards the end of um, 2020. Um, I probably tried a few times during 2020, but... Um, 20- that was when we were in 
in various lockdown in various lockdowns sorry 2020 2021 i was like you know what this isn't fitting well with me i you know i'm at a stage in my life where you know i want a relationship i want a, a quality um i want an expansion of my business i want x y and z um so i said to myself in december 2021 okay. that i was going to try and do 2022 sober with the exception of <laughs> caveats, um, a friend's thirtieth birthday, um, any golf trips that are abroad with my with my yeah. uh, with my boys, um, and then weddings and stag do's. All right, yeah. so I think it's like you know big parties, actual reasons to enjoy a drink as opposed to sort of going out Just on a Friday and Saturday. Bit, yeah. And those parameters were set, and they've been great. And I have only drunk once this year, um, and it's because it was a friend's birthday. So like, which I'm like, kind of feel like great. That was, that was fun. And I was like, allowed. that was cool. That's allowed. Yeah, and I think exactly. this podcast is advocating for having a more balanced relationship yeah. with drinking yeah. and moderating and understanding why you drink and, and when you drink. And that's great. You've learned that actually you want to drink at these times because there's that's an occasion, but actually you don't want to drink it. It's the time. why, right? I kind of feel like if you flip your mindset from being able to um, say, I'm going to have a drink on a Friday night to... Well, why do I need to have a drink on Friday night when actually I can have a lemonade or an orange juice or, you know, or a lucky saint or yeah. a caleno, you know, when it, many of these alcohol free drinks that give you the same sort of, you know, glass or bottle to lips satisfaction um, as a normal alcoholic beverage would be. Um, but you just feel much better about yourself. And, and I think, you know, I think certainly in the UK, across Europe, in fact, probably across all the Western Western world, you know, we, we use alcohol as an escape and we, it's very, uh, it's part and parcel of our society, mm, very much. which is great. But, you know, when, when you were looking to level up and something is holding you back, I think there is this precedence that, um, you know, alcohol just, should just always be a feature of your life. Yeah. But actually... It's part of the furniture almost. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, I like that. Yeah. But 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 the reality is for 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 many people if the, you know to kick something and to to make that decision for themselves by themselves, you know, is is a hugely satisfying thing and I think I'm sort of I'm very much goal orientated um with everything that I want to do professionally and and personally as well. So I think it was just a really rational decision for me to say, do you know what? I'm not going to drink Friday Saturday unless there's a real occasion to. Um, and, you know, I hate using the word balance because, you know, it's balance to your lifestyle. It's just, what does that really mean? It's very, you know, open to interpretation. But the reality is that I needed to find a, a place in, in my, within myself that drove momentum forwards as opposed to sort of holding myself back. And, and that's what led me to this sort of semi-sober year. It sounds like you mentioned goals important to you and setting yourself that that goal mm. is important. You also mentioned things like relationships and socialising. How has drinking, you've not cut out completely, but how has drinking less changed things like relationships and socialising for you? Well, I'm single now. So this is the other threat, right? Maybe we can discuss <laughs> this. This is the other threat. No, not what, well, yeah, this is the thing. <laughs> you made it sound like it yeah. was due down too. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so this is the thing. So because I'm now newly single, one of the biggest, I can guess, sort of like queries going on in my head mm. is if I find one of these hinge matches attractive enough to ask out for a drink, yeah. where do I mention that I'm not drinking? 
Like, what do I say? And do I just buckle or do I just get there and then just order a lucky saint and hope they don't notice? Is that bad? Because then... I know, it like, shouldn't be a know, thing. It shouldn't it be should, a thing. But this is it. So, but then like, you know, what if it's like four cocktails and they're a bit of a lightweight and you're completely sober? Like, do you then feel like you're at an advantage and is that like crossing a social line like there's I don't know there's a lot of queries I think yeah. quite a lot about this Do you kind know, of stuff um, <laughs> Millie Gooch who, who you know who runs Sober Girl Society has got a lot of so many tips I know who she is I've not met her but I'd love to yeah She's I need, so I need to check it out on, okay. um, not your sober dating but I guess what you're talking about is right. going out dating yeah, yeah. without drinking alcohol Okay. she kind of advocates for just up front straight away kind of take it off just, the table take it off the table oh right and, okay because otherwise it kind of builds up as an anxiety in your head going like okay when yeah. what point do I say it and if you just take it off the table it shouldn't be a thing but it shouldn't right, be a thing I think, I think I'd mention it when I feel comfortable enough to yeah. but I think it's I've got enough energy to sort of be able to sort of be like oh make them feel comfortable as yeah. it is. Yeah. but you can liken that to lots of situations like you know one is going out on a date the other is kind of work situations where it's mm. drinks after work if you've got um job in the city for example mm-hmm. and your colleagues invite you out you're like but actually I'm trying not to drink during the week so what do I say to them yeah and I think people have a lot of anxiety around this but I think things are see I've had that discussion with my co- with, with a lot of my friends yeah and what are they what And because they they've known over the, like 2020 2020 mm. 19 even that like I was trying to push back and be like no I'm gonna try and do 75 hard yeah. which if you don't know is like five rules one of them is no alcohol for like 75 days yeah. and you have to train twice a day it's quite ing- aggressive um, and uh, and they've all been like, yeah, but come and live in the real world. Like, you just come for a couple of pints with your mates. And it's like, it's like, okay, cool. But now I've had like two years of like having those discussions. And it wasn't until um, I actually met with, um, I guess, like a, an acquaintance, a friend of mine in the fitness industry who went completely sober uh, that I asked about, you know, what, what processes and conversations does he have ready to answer these yes. things that I was like, oh, no, yeah, you're right. I don't need to fold every time I try and do this to, and I can actually just flip it and say something flippant to a friend who's like come for a few pints tonight you know or turn it around on them and say well why are you drinking i know i wouldn't do that i wouldn't (laughs) i wouldn't i wouldn't wouldn't let them i wouldn't steal their fun from them i think what i actually said was um i'm too much fun when i drink (laughs) i like right and then it's just like you crack a joke carry on you know um and that's been you know things like that have been like really useful little tips to get me through January, February. So that was going to be my question. Like, what mm. what advice would you give to people like you that are trying to? Because actually, the Friday Saturday thing is a really important one. I think a lot of people get to the end of the week and start just drink because yeah. it's habit out of habit. Yeah. Because you know you finished work the end of the week, mm-hmm. um, and that you know that's fine for some people. But if if actually you don't need to, yeah. I think that was going to be one of my questions to you. Like, what advice would you give to people in your your position? It sounds like you've had had some advice. I think the biggest thing is that we, we, we think alcohol is synonymous with social activity, mm. right? So you're not going to not go and be social, otherwise you'll become a recluse and you might, you know, if taking that example, you work in the city or you work within, a, you know, close confines of, there's a pub down the road from where you work and everyone after work is going on a Thursday for a drink or a Friday or a Saturday. I don't know how people in London drink Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I don't understand it. I can't I can't get my head around it. Anyway, but you're not going to sort of remove yourself from social situations. So what do you do? You replace alcohol with something else, okay? And instead of saying uh, lemonade or an orange juice or, oh, no, I'm not drinking tonight, that doesn't have to be the narrative because people will start to sort of like turn their heads, 
we're getting better as a society. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot more people are saying like, actually, people are much more health conscious and you've got to respect people if they're saying, I'm not drinking tonight. But look for other alternatives. And obviously, like, Caleno is fantastic. Yeah. You know, cocktails are great. And mocktails, or uh, do we say that? Mocktails? Cocktails? Yeah, non-alcoholic cocktails? Yeah, non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic cocktails. cocktails but there are dozens of amazing bottled alcohol-free beers as well um, that are just, like, the perfect sort of substitution. And it doesn't matter what industry you're in. Health plays a, plays a huge role in everybody's performance, both... Yeah at work, within their career, professionally and personally as well. So I think, you know, as a more health conscious society grows, so can the conversation and the narrative around the pressures of being sociable. So for me, if somebody says, do you want to come for a drink on Friday or Saturday? And I know that it's not an event. Of course, I'm going to say absolutely yes. But I know that I've got things in place to say, I'll have a lucky saint. Mm. I'll have a lucky saint. But, you know, my trick is to have a coffee at the first venue because then I'm sort of like high spirited. I'm spending energy and I'll have three or four pints of Lucky Saint, maybe a glass of water before I go to bed and I'll wake up the next day feeling absolutely fine. And the difference is you're feeling absolutely fine and fresh and dandy. Yeah, exactly. And and they are feeling horrendous. (laughs) And, and, And like, you know, that's a real victory. Yeah. It's not that I'm taking satisfaction and everybody else's <laughs> no, no, is no, misery. No. It is kind of like that. Everyone's on a journey but. and I think you know, <laughs> we advocate for the for the benefits that yeah. you see from from taking that. Mm. Which is brilliant. Thank you. A lot of people will be happy to hear that. Now, a slight change of subject, but mm-hmm. I know you starred in the hit TV series <laughs> The Bachelor and I'm dying to ask you some questions. Yeah. And I didn't watch it, but I know... (laughs) Nobody did. So when you say, like, the hit TV show, let's have a reality check, okay? Channel 5 tried to do a reboot of the Warner Brothers hit US TV show. Um, And I was their first civilian... Civilian, civilian bachelor because they had Gavin Henson who was a professional yeah. Welsh rugby player yes. Spencer Matthews we all know who yes. that guy is and congratulations on his success with um, with his Clean & Co is that right? Clean & Co yeah Clean Co. Spencer if you're listening yeah congratulations. cool congratulations um, we actually got in a fight once so if you are hearing this Spencer yeah Bodo Schloss we chucked an ice bucket over each other but anyway, I was, so it wasn't it wasn't on the bachelor. No, 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 no. <laughs> but then I took what was worse is that he had a really successful bachelor show, and then I I bombed it, which was <laughs> quite funny. We won't we won't talk about that. No, we no, no, no. We didn't have a fight. It wasn't a scrappy, but it was just um, one of those sort of things that happens in on a night out. Um, but yeah, the bachelor was fun. Yeah, um, well, I was gonna. I was interested to know. Firstly, what made you decide? <laughs> so do you apply or are you approach? Are you found? How does that? Yeah. Does that happen? So. Um, I had applied for and done quite well in the process of another reality TV show, okay. but decided not, they asked me to do it. And I said, no, stupidly, because it was actually a really successful season. I'm not going to say okay. it, but it begins with an L and the second word begins with an I. Yes. Um, and um, I, yeah, I couldn't go through with it because I was still sort of like mourning a, um, um, a relationship that failed. Yeah. And then um, I think they sort of caught wind of some of those tapes or something rang me. And I remember them saying, well, we only want five minutes of your time. Okay. But an hour went past and they were like, we think we found the bachelor. And I was like, are you offering it to me now? And I was like, they were like, well, we'll call you back in, you know, two, three days, screen tests, this, that, and the other. And then within sort of two weeks, I was on Oxford street getting a fitted tux 
and I was like, hey, cool. So yes. eight weeks in South Africa and Antigua, and yeah, it was cool, good fun. Wow. Were you expecting it to happen so quickly? No, I wasn't, but I was really happy that it was because I was just sort of feeling a bit stale in my career, and I was just like, actually, I just want some time out. And yeah, so it was good. It was what fun. experience, though. I mean, uh, one of my questions was, how was the whole experience? It was an experience, <laughs> right? I, I took it too seriously. Okay. I'm quite serious with that because I don't like juggling with people's hearts that's and emotions, enough, right? I and I think that's probably what bought me the role mm. is that sort of like I have a sense of integrity and a moral compass. So I thought, okay, cool. Maybe this is the show for me. I've, you know, I can only come across like the person that I am and, mm. and the nice guy and, you know, exactly. it's only, yeah. And, you know, plus the exposure is going to be fantastic for my business and ticking boxes. So I went for it. But the whole idea is that when you get there, you quickly realize you're not there to find love or I found in my experience in reflection I found that I wasn't there to find love I was there to let people down because there's sort of 20 hearts and minds and souls that you've kind of got to get to know invest in you they invest an awful lot of time not just in me but they're investing in time away from you know home life family life you know their own career etc and sort of you're holding them in your hands and you just sort of like let them fall away so I found that really challenging um that's got to be quite tough on you know mentally yeah it, it was and I was physically emotionally drained and exhausted most of the time yeah I mean the girl that won one of my ex-girlfriends you know she was the one that felt it felt herself most comfortable on camera throughout the process which meant that I could get to know her the best because she wasn't worried about the camera room cameras in the room you know the guys standing behind the lighting and so I actually sort of we just got a we we found a really lovely relationship um and uh and yeah my questions did you did you find out I gave them the line I've fallen in love with you because I I did because you, you know it's funny anyone looking in on any reality tv shows is that you're in a complete bubble and there's no social media, no magazines, no access to the internet, no newspapers, no nothing. So all you're left to think about is the person that you're presented with, yeah. or in my case, the girls, yeah. or in their case, me. It's actually an amazing social experiment in that respect, in that, like, you know, cut all of the distraction away, just concentrate Which on your job. Which we get so on much job. on, yeah, exactly. of in, in the every, our yeah. everyday lives. Yeah, and the reality is that that's all that matters. We, we can distract ourselves from making big decisions by flicking through Instagram or you know, talking with a friend or, you know, going and doing X, Y, and Z around town. Mm. But actually, you know, when you're forced to make decisions, you, you kind of got to go off your instincts. And, and, you know, from that respect, it, you know, it does work, which is why it's been so successful and had such a long career in the States. I think it's in like 20 other countries as well. Are you glad you did it? Uh, I'm glad I did it. Great yeah. experience. Would I do it again if they paid me more money? In fact, they didn't pay me any money for the first season. So yeah, that's it. That's the truth. Hint, hint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come at me, Warner Brothers. You owe me some money. <laughs> oh, amazing. Right, last, last question. And this is actually a wild card question. What is something you've always wanted to do but haven't yet had the chance oh dear mm, married and have kids well there's still plenty of time there's still time <laughs> yeah yeah on That's yeah cool. the world is always accessible I've, I've done a lot of traveling and i'm continuing in fact i'm flying to <laughs> flying to central america on sunday but um but yeah the the i think the the thing that i want most is is a family well you've got you've got time and the world is your oyster so that's it yeah i'm sure you'll get your wish there'll be someone out there on hinge <laughs> <laughs> brilliant thank you so much Alex. you're very welcome brilliant guest thank you for answering all of my questions and thank you very much for, for being here on the Joyful Drinker podcast. Any listeners, thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. 
You've been listening to The Joyful Drinker, hosted by me, Ellie Webb. There'll be a new episode released every fortnight, so make sure you hit that subscribe button to avoid missing out. Also, just a small reminder that ratings and reviews really help people discover great podcasts. So if you've got some kind words to share, they'd be very much appreciated. In the meantime, come and find me on socials. I'm at Kalenyo Ellie. I'd love to connect with you all and feedback on the podcast is always welcome. See you next time for another episode of The Joyful Drinker. And remember, if we all drank a little less each week, we'd all feel a whole lot better. Thank you.